Hello? Who's there? Oh, oh it's you. Boy, you scared me. <laughs> I'm probably, I, I bet you're wondering how I ended up here in this lion's den. Well, it's a long story, but uh, I have nothing but time for now. I would love to share with you a story of God's amazing faithfulness. As I left my house that morning, it was like if everything was in motion. Nothing had stopped, not even for one moment. Now, this was an emotion of hurried excitement. Oh no. It was panic. Fearful panic. Strange people were destroying and rebuilding. Unknown people were taking over our city. As if our whole lives had been completely flipped upside down. As I walked through the town that morning, I went about my normal daily routine, even though things weren't normal anymore. You see, ever since my people and my city had been taken over by the Babylonians, life was different. There was a new ruler, and very little of the old ways were left. A man approached me from my right. I I could tell he was a servant of King Nebuchadnezzar because of his royal clothes and the way he carried himself as he walked through the crowd. He was coming towards me fast, so I stepped back to make sure that he could get by me. But then I realized he was coming towards me. When he reached me, he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, We choose you. Chosen. I have been chosen. A mix of excitement and fear ran through my body with every heartbeat. You see, I'd never been chosen for anything before. I was well known in my community and well respected. But little did I imagine that the Babylonians would have any need for me. You see, the king, he was choosing some of my people. The Jewish people to be educated for three years in the ways of his people. And then on the third year, we would stand before the king and serve him as our king. He chose the wealthy, the strong, the good-looking, and the intelligent to be part of his kingdom. See, this was the way he was going to build a foundation for the empire that he wanted to build. You probably know three other young men that were chosen that day, the same day I was. And you probably know them best by the names that King Nebuchadnezzar gave them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now theirs is a story for another time. Each morning, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and I, we would wake up. And we would work hours on end studying the history of the Babylonians. We'd learn their practices and their languages. And then, at the end of the day, we would be offered a portion of the king's food. Now, knowing that the king's food was unclean, I couldn't with all good conscience eat it. So, I summoned the advisor that was over us. I said, please, just give us a portion of vegetables and water and we don't need the king's food we will do well with that well the advisor looked me in the eye and he said 
And what do you think the king will do to me if he sees that you're becoming thinner and weaker than all the others? I will have to pay the consequences and it will be my head. Well, trusting in God and having faith that he would meet our needs. I made a proposal to the advisor. I said, let's do an experiment for 10 days. Just feed Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego and I vegetables and water. After the 10 days, if you don't notice a difference in us, then you can do with us what you will. So the advisor agreed to the experiment. Okay. I, I know what you're thinking. I can see it in, in your eyes. You're thinking that we wasted away, right? And that's why I'm here in this lion's den today. Not quite. In fact, after 10 days, we weren't weaker and thinner than all the rest. Oh, no. We were healthier and stronger and more fattened in appearance than everyone else. You see, God was faithful. And because we trusted in the one and only true God, for the remainder of our time, we were fed vegetables and water. Gotta make sure we don't wake them, okay? Let's see, where was I? Ah, oh, yes. So we made it through one issue without any harm from the king, but yet little did we know what was yet to come. King Nebuchadnezzar he summoned all the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and wise men to come to his quarters one day. You see, he was clearly upset. He hadn't had much sleep the night before. So all the wise men came to his quarters. And when they got there, they could tell he was disturbed. And the king said to them in a loud voice, he said, I demand that you interpret my dream. Well, this made all the wise men step back because they could see that the king was serious about this. Except for one wise man. This one wise guy. That's right. He said, this is my chance. I can prove that I am the best wise man in town. And so he he stepped forward, showing his stuff to all the other wise guys, just kind of walking out there in front of the king. Hey, watch me. I got this, guys. He came out front in front of the king and he said, Oh, king, tell me your dream so that I may interpret it for you. Well, the king got so angry and furious, even though he wanted to have his dream interpreted. He told all the wise men, If you truly can interpret my dream, you'd be able to do it without me telling you. This made all of them panic. They started shaking in their boots. And they didn't know what to do because he wasn't going to reveal his dream to them. So the king noticed that they were panicking. And he made a decree right there. I decree that all the wise men in the city of Babylon be put to death. He called his commander of arms, Arioch, to go and collect all the wise men in Babylon to put them to death. 
Ariok started coming towards me. And I went up to him and I said, Ariok, why is this decree of the king so urgent? So he explained to me. And after he explained to me, I said, please, make an appointment with the king so that I, Daniel, might interpret his dream. Then I went home as quick as I could where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were at. And I asked them to pray to the one and only true God that God would reveal this dream to me so that I may interpret the dream of the king. And that God would have mercy on our lives. Okay. So I know what you're thinking. Oh yes, I sure do. You think that I was not able to interpret the dream, right? And that's why I'm here in the lion's den today. Well, that's not quite the case. In fact, God was faithful. And because he was so faithful, the king loved my interpretation of his dream. And he loved it so much that he released all the wise men. He trusted in God. And at the end of that, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and I, we were raised to a higher service under the king. In fact, twice, twice God was faithful and allowed me to interpret King Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. Sadly, he didn't heed the warnings that God had given him. He went crazy for a period of time and he ended up with the wild animals. But having a gracious God, when, she, when Nebuchadnezzar called upon the Lord and acknowledged that he is the one and only true God, he was restored back to his kingdom. Now, the reason why I ended up here in this lion's den here today came from a totally different king altogether. King Belshazzar, he was the son of Nebuchadnezzar, and he ruled Babylon after his father. Now, Belshazzar, he loved to party. In fact, one day, he had a thousand people come to his castle, his home, to have a big party with him. Well, they were having a great time at this party, and he made a command. I command that we bring the vessels that my father had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. Bring them here so that we can drink from the vessels and keep our party going. So they brought the vessels and they continued to drink and carry on. And all of a sudden a hand appeared on the wall. Started writing a message. Could you imagine a hand appearing on the wall? That would freak me out. Well, you know what? The, the king turned pale. His knees started to knock and his legs gave out. That's how afraid he was. As he looked at the hand writing the words on the wall, it said, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parsin. He did as his father had done in the past. He, he didn't know how to read the words, so he invited the wisest men in all of Babylon to come and interpret the words that were on the wall. But when they got there, they couldn't interpret it. So again, the king did as he'd done in the past, his father, and he invited me to come and interpret the words on the wall. Although the room was filled with as many people as could be, it felt empty as I came to the center of the room. There was a hush 
of anticipation and fear as people watch the hand writing the words on the wall. No one glanced away. No one even moved. I was the one who broke the silence. O king, your father, Nebuchadnezzar, God gave him kingship, greatness, glory, and majesty. And because he gave him this, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled in fear before him. Whoever he said should be put to death died. Whoever he said should be alive, they lived. Whoever he said should be promoted, they promoted. Whoever he said should be humbled, they humbled. But when your father, when his heart became proud and his spirit became strong, God dealt with him. He took his kingly throne from him. His glory was taken from him. He was driven away from his people. His mind became like that of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys. And he he ate grass like the cattle. And the dew of heaven rested on his body. Until he acknowledged that the Most High God was ruler over all mankind. And he put in power who he will. And you, his son, Belshazzar, you haven't humbled your heart, even though you knew all these things. You have put yourself higher than the the Lord of heaven. As I finished speaking to the king, the hand came off the wall. The words were written there, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parsin. I proceeded to tell the king what the words meant. Mene, your kingdom has, the days are numbered to your kingdom and it shall come to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in balances and been found wanting. Parsin, your kingdom will be divided and it will be divided amongst the Persians and the Medes. That night, Belshazzar was killed. A new king was put in place. Darius of the Medes. During the reign of Darius, I became one of the three top officials under the king. I was put over all the, all the protectors and the servants in the kingdom. And as Darius got to know me better, he was getting ready to move me into his top position. The first official to the king. Well, you can imagine... When all the other officials found out about this, they were not too happy to know that I was going to be over them. In fact, they became jealous. Two of these officials went to the king. The first official said, O king, live forever. We, all of us in power, have decided that you should make a law. The law should read that for the next 30 days, no one, should pray to anyone but you. And if they do, they should be thrown into the lion's den. The next official, in agreement, said, Oh, yes, king. Mark this decree so that no one can undo it. As I sat in my house, 
a fresh breeze ran over my face with my open window. I, I glanced at them for just a moment, but then I didn't hesitate in what I was about to do. You see, if I, if I were to shut my windows, if I were to change any of my practices at all, I would have lessened the risk that I was going to be taking. But I also knew that it would be making a statement. It would be making a statement that my God is not worth the risk. So with my window wide open, I kneeled down and prayed to the one and only God. As loud as anyone could hear. There were two officials that were outside my window. They heard me praying, so they went to King Darius. And he said, oh king, live forever. Did you not make a good decree that said that if anyone prays to anyone but you for 30 days, they should be thrown into the lion's den? The king acknowledged that this was true. And then, when he found out that it was I, Daniel, who had broken the law, and it was me who was going to be taken to the lion's den, he was distressed. The two officials, they came and picked me up at my home. They took me eagerly across the dry desert to the lion's den. When I looked down inside the lion's den, I saw the yellow eyes of the creatures. I could see the white glow of their teeth as they growled. They, they kicked my legs out from underneath me and I fell into the lion's den. Oh, it, was, it was damp. It's so damp in here. It's dark. The place of my death. So, here I sit. Minutes seem like hours. Hours seem like days. The creatures, they're all around me, but they haven't harmed me. I do not doubt their hunger, but they do not doubt my God, nor do I. See, I have faith in the God who... Reveal dreams to me. I have faith in the God who protected me from kings. That same one and only God, I believe, will deliver me from the lions. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what's in the darkness and the light dwells within him. To you, God of my fathers, I thank and praise you. O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Oh, oh, king, yes, my God sent his angels to shut the lions' mouths 
I have been found blameless before God and before you. I am not harmed. O king, I have done no harm. Morning, friends. This morning we uh, heard the story of Daniel. Uh, we heard the story of Daniel's faith, but more importantly, we actually heard the story of the faithfulness of Daniel's God. And so, in just a few minutes we have remaining, I want to talk a little bit about how Daniel's story intersect, intersects with our story. Because sometimes we read the scriptures and we read about the lives and adventures and and moments of people like Daniel and we're tempted to think that those were things that happened back then to people back then, people like those. Um, But stories when they're written down in this book are not just meant to be stories, they're meant to be uh, events that intersect with our life. Those, these stories are meant to inform our stories. They're meant to, to encourage us and inspire us and infect our lives to help us follow God more faithfully. And so uh, I want to talk about a couple application points for us this morning from Daniel's life and his story. First of all, maybe there are some in here like Daniel who are facing an idol today. Daniel was, was, an idol was put right in his face. Maybe the same is true for you. Maybe there is something in your life that is tempting you to compromise your faith and devotion to God. Maybe it's a habit a behavior, a relationship, something in your life that is pulling you ever so slowly and steadily away from a deep, close relationship with Jesus. Maybe there's something like that in your life. My guess is this. My guess is that your idol, unlike Daniel's, won't be bold or brazen or direct. It will not demand that you bow down, get on your knees and worship it. But do not be fooled. Your idol, like every single idol in this world, will over time demand the devotion of your heart and life. Because that's what idols do. So in the same way that Daniel declared that he would not compromise his faith, he would not give up his relationship with God, perhaps the Lord is asking you today to do the same thing. Maybe this morning... God wants you to declare that this thing, this idol, whatever it is in your life for you, will no longer pull you away from Him. Maybe it's time to put a stake in the ground, to make a statement, to do something dramatic and and change the trajectory of where your life is headed. Now, now friends, I, I say this so easily, but it will not be easy to do this, to walk away from an idol in your life It will mean risk, it will mean pain, it will mean hurt feelings. You will have to face some fears. You'll have to have tremendous faith in God. But friends, when we have faith in our God, that's when God most reveals His faithfulness to us. Hear that again. Friends, when we have faith in our God, that's when our God reveals His faithfulness to us. Our faith reveals his faithfulness. My, my brother and his family are visiting this week um, from out of town. And he has four kids. 
and he has twin six-year-olds, Justin and Emily. And we were hiking this week in Oregon on some trails, and I've been telling them all week that the weather here is like this all the time. And uh, my little six-year-old nephew, Justin, he climbed up on this log at one point, and he's up on this log, and it was above my head. He was probably a good eight feet up high, and they were kind of climbing down. And, and I said, hey, Justin, just jump to me. Just jump to me. And Justin kind of looks down. And I'm kind of lift, holding my arms up like, I'll, and I'll catch you, just jump to me. And Justin's like, I know you, Uncle Dave. I don't know. This is a good call. And he looks at me, and I, he's just, his mind is sort of pondering. And, and the question he's really considering in his little six-year-old head is, do I want to put my faith in Uncle Dave? And those of you who know me, you think, that's a good question, Justin. But I'm convincing him. I'm saying, I'll catch you. I promise I'll catch you. Just jump. And he thinks about it for a little bit, thinks about it. And finally, he just kind of leaps out, and sure enough... I caught him. And uh, he realized in that moment that Uncle Dave is very, very, very trustworthy. Um, But he never would have known. He never would have known that he could trust me until he trusted me. His faith wouldn't have meant anything until he acted on it. And that is what Daniel does here. And here's the tragic thing sometimes, friends. The tragic thing is sometimes when God is calling us to trust Him, to have faith, to walk away from idols in our lives, even when it's scary, we decide not to. We decide to just let things play out, to stay on the same path, to go in the same direction, to just keep floating in the direction that we're headed because it's the easiest thing to do. It's easier not to risk. But here's the tragedy. When we decide not to risk... We make this statement, the statement Daniel talked about. My God is not worth the risk. My God is not worth the risk. I think I'll just continue to do what I'm doing. I'll I'll, I'll not choose to make any waves or any hardship or difficulty for myself. My God is not worth the risk. Friends, and when your heart makes that statement and your life makes that statement enough times, it is tragic to the human soul. Because you'll never know how faithful God is until you choose to put your faith in Him. So let me implore you this morning, make the phone call that you need to make. Have the conversation that the Holy Spirit right now in this moment is asking you to have. Confess that sin to a friend who can help you get on the right track. It won't be easy, it will be scary, it will be difficult. But in the end, God will show His faithfulness if you will just take the risk. Or maybe for you this morning, you're here and you find yourself in a lion's den of your own. You're in a place right now where you feel helpless and defenseless, a place where you think you might be devoured at any moment. And if that's you today, if you are here this morning and you are in a difficult, scary place in life, I just want to ask you to remember God's faithfulness. To just know and think on and dwell on God's unfailing love. Remember that in Christ, nothing can separate you from the love of God. This is Romans chapter 6. This is a passage in the New Testament where Paul writes to people who are in, in a difficult, dark, scary place. And he writes this truth to encourage them. And if this is you today, I invite you to just close your eyes and let this scripture wash over your mind and heart. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. 
For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, if you are in a lion's den of your own today, hold on to that truth. Know that truth. There is nothing more powerful than the love of our God. And so this morning, we're going to close our worship service by singing that song again. God is able. God is able. And just to sort of set it up for us, I want to remind you, we are not singing this song together as a church to God as if we're going to remind him or encourage him. Like, God, be able. Remember, you're able. God knows he's able. He knows. This is not a reminder for him. This is a declaration that we make to him for ourselves. And our prayer is that as we sing it and declare it and shout it out, that the truth of it will sink deeper and deeper into our hearts, that we might live our lives with the knowledge and confidence that our God is able. So whatever it is that's facing you today, I invite you to just get real clear on it this morning and sing this song to our God as a declaration to that thing that you face, that difficulty in your life, that you need to say to it, my God is bigger than you. He's stronger than you. He's more powerful than you. And his love will help me overcome you. My God is able. I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you to stand and sing these words with me as we close our service. Father, thank you for this morning. We thank you for Daniel. I thank you for his story. I thank you for his courage and his faith. And Lord, I know that he was scared. I know that there must have been moments where he thought about alternate paths and different routes and just going with the flow and not making waves and caving to pressures. And yet, Lord, every time he chose you and every time you proved yourself faithful, may we be that kind of church. May we be that kind of people that when we stand... Facing things, we will choose you. We will trust you. We'll continue to know you more and more and know how faithful you are. Help us, Lord. Help us follow you in that way. Be that kind of church. And we pray it all in Christ's name.